everyone. Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. This week we're talking about episode 109, The Writing Room. It's written by Sarah Gamble. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And, and we're I'm here. Kelly. Oh, yes, we're here with Killy today. <laughs> She's back. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. So Thanks. we'll start with our regular question. And Killy, since you're our guest, why don't you um, why don't you start us off? What do you think of this episode? I love this episode. I think this is my favorite episode of both seasons, actually. Really? Even after yeah. all of the greatness of season two? Yeah, I think so. So, so what do you love about it so much? Um, I love how this is kind of the first time we see some of the darker elements in the magicians and kind of the effects of those elements. So I know the last episode, obviously there's some darker elements, but now we get to really see kind of everyone's thoughts and processes of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Danny, what did you think? Um, I know that, the first few times I watched season one that this was my favorite episode of season one for a long time. Um, but it's not anymore, <laughs> but I really do like it. <laughs> it's so funny cause uh, you, you and I have talked actually on several episodes with this coming up about how much I really didn't like this episode the first time around. And when I yeah. watched it today, I was just blown away. I was like, what was I on? This is such a fantastic episode. It's brilliant. I don't know what you were on. <laughs> well, I understand now. I understand now. I don't know. I must've been on like stress or something. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so I think there's there's a ton going on here, and, and Killy, you mentioned some of it. Um, there's a lot of stuff sort of interspersed throughout about Q and Julia's relationship. I really loved the opening with the letter that Julia writes Q and the one that Q writes her back. Um, and there's also a lot of... I think it's it's uh, it's an ensemble episode in that, like, Quentin and Elliot and um, Alice and Penny are all um, sort of taking on some task together. Uh, but it's a really, really strong ensemble episode. And I think that's, I think part of it is because they're, they're all doing the same thing. Um, so their interactions are all connected. Um, so I don't know. Where do you want to start? What stood out to you? Kelly? how about you answer that one? Yeah, Achilles, it's your favorite episode. Um, well, you mentioned the letter between Julia and Q, and I really loved Julia's letter to Quentin. Yeah. Um, I really love the quote where she's like, you're not supposed to say the other person fucked up too, but you fucked up too, and I mm. kind of hate you for that. Yeah, I, I loved all of that because she, I mean, there's like so many things woven into not very much space, right? She says that and then like afterwards she says she's trying to forgive him. And I think it mm-hmm. was just so, so real, so completely honest to how somebody would feel in that situation. And also not like, I don't know, it didn't feel like she was a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, too, like, one of the things that really struck me about this episode was, um, especially after, like, seeing season two and seeing Julia's sort of descent into, well, you know, her losing her losing a lot of herself and losing a lot of her sort of ability to empathize with others. This episode, we really see Julia at her most empathetic. And it's not just Julia. Like, Q and Alice are, 
are really big on the empathy in this episode too. Everyone is sort of feeling yeah. for everybody else. Yeah. I thought Alice was kind of annoying though in this episode. <laughs> okay, so unpack that. Well, it just like her whole reaction to the kids thing is just fucking ridiculous. Like and I don't even think she would react that way. It just seems kind of stupid on her behalf. So what do you mean? Why did you think it was ridiculous? Because, like, she should know better. She's, like, literally the smartest fucking magician there, and she should know that there's really nothing that anyone can do to help these kids that aren't even real anymore. I understand that. At the same time, I can really under- I-, I can also see how somebody who has has experienced the kind of, like, weird childhood trauma... Um, that Alice has really being affected by something like that and, and feeling the need to try to do something, even if it's impossible. Yeah. I did like, uh, Elliot's sort of breakdown at the end though. What did you guys think of that? I thought, I thought it was kind of hilarious that he was just like <laughs> freaks out on her about it. Um, but I also like Quentin standing up for Alice where he's just like, fuck you, yeah. Elliot. Like, I, I don't know. I like that, but they're all kind of. Well, it's just like another piggybacking off of Elliot kind of being out of character since he's just out of character for a few episodes. What do you mean, like following on the Mike stuff? Yeah, because I could give a fuck less about Mike, so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as like someone watching Hale's amazing acting, it's nice. Yeah. Just, I'm just so tired of Elliot being out of character. (laughs) That was actually, the acting was one of the things that really struck me in this episode, too. Um, the performances are insanely good. Um, they are. And, and really from everybody. And, I mean, I like, too, that, that it, was, it was so well-balanced, right? I mean, obviously, um, there's a lot going on with Quentin and with Julia, and they're pretty central to this episode. But you get yeah. a lot of, we got a lot from Penny, too. Um, we got a lot from Alice. We didn't get as much from Elliot, uh, but what's there at the end is like really packs a punch. Yeah. <laughs> I love the part where he's like, like, uh, does the spell with his hand and like scares. Oh yeah. I'm a super villain. I'm a super villain. <laughs> I'm a super villain. <laughs> the part's so funny. And he doesn't even try. He's so like nonchalant about it. He's just like, I'm a super villain. I think that reminded me a lot of, like, Book Elliot, because Book Elliot is supposed to be, like, the super genius who doesn't try. And there's something really, yeah. like, he, he he's over it. He's over, like, trying. He's over being cool. And he's just like, ugh, whatever. I'm a super villain. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of really good one-liners in this, too. Um, both, like, funny ones and not funny ones. So, the f- like, the first one that really struck me was actually something that Alice said to Quentin um, when he's like really upset that he lost the manuscript, right? Um, and she says to him, it's a manuscript, not a referendum on your character. And I thought that was just so, it was a really elegant piece of writing and something that, um, I, I feel like I haven't seen in a while. Like there's, a, there's a lot of great writing in season two and I think it's really solid, especially plot wise. Uh, but it was just a really great turn of phrase and something that seemed very Alice like to say. Yeah. Were there any lines that, like, struck you? Mm, I know there was. Um, I'm just, like, blanking. I know I really liked the moment between uh, Quentin and Alice where he's just all, like, you know, this is the happiest I've ever been, basically. And he says something like, uh, 
will you hate me if I say this is the happiest I've ever been or something something yeah sad puppy like that <laughs> Killy were you yeah. gonna say one yeah um I really loved when Penny and Quentin were talking mm. and Penny's talking about the time slip and Clinton's just like, you say that like, yeah, a French rise. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I really love that conversation between Penny and Quentin. And uh, it really struck me how different Penny is in this episode than, than we've seen him up until this point. Uh, there's so much more of an edge to him. And he's like, he's just so done with Quentin's bullshit, but not even in like a funny way. He's just like done with Quentin's bullshit. Um, and there's a line that when they're having that conversation and Penny is being like really intractable uh, where Quentin says, you can't possibly want to be a dick more than you want to live. Yeah. And it's just so emblematic of their relationship, right? Like (laughs) Penny will, Penny will like take any stand just to piss Quentin off. And Quentin's like, stop being like this. (laughs) Yeah. Just be like a human. <laughs> um, let's talk about Julia's storyline for a bit. What do you think about that, Danny? That, that was pretty polarizing when this episode came out. Yeah. Do you remember much of the controversy, Danny? God, it was so fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that long after the whole like Lexa dying and the hundred debacle. So anytime a queer character dies in any way, shape, or form, people had to freak out about it which I get like I get the whole movement that happened at that point in time but it was like but also every character on the magicians is queer so basically (laughs) basically um and that's hard to explain to people though but they're like oh she's like a like because she Julia ends up helping kill a minor character that shows up for one episode and she just happens to be black and queer yeah so people had a field day with that. And a lot of people were like, oh, I refuse to watch this show or blah, blah, blah. I just remember being very annoyed being on Tumblr because people blow everything out of proportion on there. Yeah. I remember wondering at the time if Kira was going to was going to come back in some shape or form. Like, I, I remember wondering if... Um, I didn't realize at first that it was a different actress. And I, honest to God, thought that the... Uh, our Lady Underground actress was the same one and that it was, but it wasn't, that was not the case. No, it's not the same one. I did though have the thought at the time when this episode aired that she might turn out to be Our Lady Underground having like read the books. Um, yeah. I kind of wonder if they, I don't know. I kind of wonder if they were thinking about going in that direction at any point in time. I thought she was, I thought that relationship between, I was just so impressed by the way that uh, those two actresses, Stella, and actually I don't know the name of the actress who plays. Um, I should look her up. Um, Yanni King is her name. It was they had great chemistry. I like when really Julia chemistry. shows her like the underside of the fillery table, and like you see her smile for the yeah. first time in God knows how long. That scene with the yeah. two of them under the table is is one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. Um, and so much of it is because, I, I don't know, I mean, it's played perfectly. And there's, like, the two of them just, just really seem to express this great instant chemistry and instant, um, instant intimacy that they developed, right? Like, uh, 
it it's kind of, it's the first time in a while that Julia has had like a positive experience with magic and she feels like she's you know she's doing a mitzvah she's doing something good um and it just it brings them together so well and i love the way that kira responds to her and says uh and you know says uh that she is like that this is that that she needs to go back to her happiest moment and to chase that she's really sort of pushing her in a lot of ways to to go back to her relationships to go back to her friendships and to go back to quentin right they've it's fundamentally what a lot of this episode is about Killy, i feel like we're leaving you out you have to you have to tell us your thoughts <laughs> no i like listening um, <laughs> i did love kira and julia together um, I did think it was really funny in the beginning of going into Kira's mind. She mentioned she had to become impervious to fire, mm. which goes back to her invisible fire spell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like you guys said, they did have a really good chemistry together. Um, I really liked the two of them being together. yeah. It, it made me really sad that we we don't get to see more of Kira because because they are so good together and it was it was such a I don't know this this episode was really magical why did I not like it the first time what was wrong with me <laughs> <laughs> it kind of like in a way brings up like assisted suicide as well which is a trigger it does topic. it's it's like yeah. assisted suicide and child molestation and like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a doozy. Yeah, I actually, you know, when you were talking about Alice before, I, I when I was watching it this time, it struck me, and and then I forgot um, when you said it, but it struck me that like what she's really responding to there is the like suppressed trauma, right? Like here, what Alice is upset about is the fact that um, the the ghost, the the ghost of this girl, is living it over and over and over again, and that's really what like that's really what trauma is like. You do just sort of live your traumas over and over and over again, not as a ghost, but they they affect you in that same kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I understand why I can understand why you were a little well, you felt like it was a little bit out of character. But I think I like just it was in that. stupid. I thought it was just stupid, very stupid. <laughs> okay, I, but you're I, wrong. I, I, had, <laughs> I had so much shit happen to me as a kid. My parents fought all the time. Bullshit. I wouldn't respond that way. But I think right, like there is something. I I think that what she's responding to, like I said, I don't think she's responding to the the literal thing that's happening. Like I see this as a response to. To the emotional side of it, to like seeing what that's really about, she's responding to to the thing that it's a metaphor for. I mean, she didn't even see the kid get molested, so Quentin that's true. Worked. I'm sure she would have been really upset about that too. <laughs> I do really like that scene too with them at the end, where um, Quentin and Alice are are talking about how they're they're both not okay after experiencing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quentin just gets this shit and he's just like, man, my favorite fantasy series just like fuck me up all the time. <laughs> and then also finds out that the author is a scumbag. Yeah, I, I think that's a really a, a like beautifully sad arc of him going in and being so excited and so nerdy. And, you know, like uh, Penny just sort of looking at him. I, or what is that line? Like, you will never be a man or something like that. Like, you will never be an adult or something like that. Yeah. that Penny says to yeah. him. 
And he is like, so you can see at various points the, the like genuine happiness on his face. Um, and then to see all of that taken away, like when they first go into the writing room, when they break into the writing room, um, he talks about how this is right. Like this is where the books were written and those books saved his life. And he reveals this very, he, he's very vulnerable. He reveals this really important part of his life and his uh, sort of history with depression. Um, yeah. And then to like find out that the thing that saved you was predicated on this, this really awful relationship between this adult and this child. That's got to be really hard. I also thought it was creepy. I thought it was so creepy that uh, Plover was just like, in Fillory, we can be together. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Kelly, I'm, I'm going to push you again because I want to hear more of your thoughts. So, <laughs> <laughs> what were the, like, when you saw that, when you saw that arc, like, were you, who did you identify most with in this episode? Like, who did you feel most empathy for? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'd say Alice, except I don't know I would have that dramatic of a reaction, like, at the end. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard uh, to decide, like, who I'd most be like. Um, it's such an intense, like, art. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed that they just leave Jane in the room while... He's taking pictures of Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I just thought that was even more creepy than like, just the molestation itself. Yeah, that. I mean, it's almost like he. I mean, she's asleep, but it's almost like he. He likes having that there. He likes there being. He likes having power over another child as well. Mm hmm. Hmm. Danny, there was a line that that really reminded me of things that you said um, after Quentin and Al- Quentin sort of reveals the stuff about his um, about his having been institutionalized to Alice, where he says about his depression, um, she asks like if, if his brain is better now or something like that, and he says it never really fixes; it just works better now, like in its own warped way. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically depression in a nutshell. (laughs) Like, eventually you can manage it, but it's never better. Like, not, it doesn't get actually physically better. You can't, like, fix it. Yeah. And I really think, like, that is, yeah, that's, like, all of the, what so much of this is, this episode is about, is, like, these moments of just things that you, you never get over, but you manage. That you, like, find a way to live with. hmm yeah. Which is really, really sad. And then there's Julia's storyline with somebody not living with something, too. <laughs> yeah. Making that choice. Yeah, making that choice. Um, so how did she get stuck like that anyways? Do they really explain it? Is it the spell, like... Is it a spell she's under? 
I don't think so. I mean, they 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 sort of suggest that it's that it's medical because um, Julia says that thing about like what if what if she's wrong? What if a magician finds a cure for her illness or something like that? I don't think she yeah. ever said illness. I think she just said find a cure. That's why it makes me think it's magical because why would a magician find be the one that finds a cure and not a doctor? Yeah, well, Kira mentions that her body just kind of, like, shut down on her or stopped mm. working or something. Yeah. I can't remember the exact word. Yeah, I remember what you're talking about. So, I don't know. I, I, I sort of assumed it was medical. I mean, it's the same way that, like, Quentin, I guess they said they can't do it with cancer, but, like, that Quentin seemed to think uh, you could you could cure certain diseases, at least. Mm-hmm. That's why cancer puppies did <laughs> I think everyone's still bitter about cancer puppy. R.I.P. Gerald. <laughs> yeah. They had to find like the world's cutest puppy to do that too, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what other things stood out to you, Danny? I feel like we've gone over most of the major plot points of because they were all mostly together in the episode. Um I remember thinking it was funny that Elliot, like, says that him and Margo just have a, f- a thing that brings them straight to their pub. Their, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, in England. Yeah. To their favorite pub in England. <laughs> yeah, just a doorway. How do, you, do you remember how they get to, how they get to um, Plover's house in the book? It's in the second book, right? Yeah, it's in the second book, and they just drive there. Uh, yeah, and they and it's like Poppy and Josh. But I think they take a portal to England as well. They take a portal that Josh, I believe, actually built. Right. In, yeah. Into England, and then they rent a car from there. But Julia said they can steal one, but Poppy's not down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that was one of... That, that was such a wonderful and striking moment to me in the books, because uh, with, like, Quentin and Alice sitting in the... Uh, or sorry, Quentin and Julia sitting in the back seat, like scouring the fillery books and uh, trying to like glean knowledge out of them to like, figure out what yeah. the like, portals might be. And I really love mm-hmm. the scene that I, I, I'm so sad that we have missed this in um, in the show because it's one of my favorite little scenes in the book. The one where they all go to the party at Plover's estate. Um, and hang out with the kid? Yeah, they hang out with the little kid. But there's also that line in it, because um, uh, Josh and Poppy, it turns out, are extroverts. Uh, <laughs> which, I guess, Josh is an Josh seems like an extrovert in the show, at least. In the show, but definitely yeah. not in the book. That's kind of random. No, no, the reason I say that is because there, there's that line that Quentin says about uh, genuinely social people never cease to amaze him. Something about having, like, an endless font of conversational topics. yeah. That's one of my, I don't know, that's one of my favorite, I don't know, I have like a dozen favorite lines, but that's one of the dozen favorite lines from the books for me. But I love that whole, I love that whole road trip, because it does feel like getting the band back together, uh, like, and and you get some of the things, some of that in this episode, and that you get, like, they're doing it separately, but you get um, sort of reestablishment of Quentin and Julia's childhood friendship, you get um, a bunch of the people, a bunch of the Break Bills crew heading together into an adventure that uh, is like that. But you don't get, 
you don't get them playing games with this little kid for like ever and ever and ever and passing out drunk on a mattress and waking up in Fillory, which I don't know. That's such a beautiful scene. And then like that Elliot is like right there when they wake up <laughs> on the mudjack. Yeah. yeah, they get rescued like right away. <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. They do. Killy, so since uh, we've been starting to talk lately about um, some of the things that we really love about the books, um, and I don't think we've had, I don't think we did that when we had you on last time. What are your favorite moments in the books? Um, it's been a while since I've read them. I really need to reread, but I do love Julia's uh, journey in book two. Mm. Kind of, you know, her, I like the way she remembers break bills as opposed to Liz's show. Um, and now that they've tied in what her discipline is in the show, I think it fits really well. Um, I thought that was such a brilliant choice. I'm curious if they asked Lev for his, like, input at all on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but I just love her, you know, figuring out that, you know, brick bills existed and magic was real and then just, like, stumbling across the FTB and then going to MERS and being with them there and everything. I really loved that whole journey. Hmm. Yeah. It, we And we see Moore, uh in the show, but I don't know if you guys noticed it. Like, that's where they... I noticed it. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. they go to to call, um, call on Our Lady Underground. I'm pretty sure yeah. Maddie in like all caps posted about it like a <laughs> That day sounds up. like Maddie. <laughs> Posting in all caps. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't think I noticed actually until I saw his post, but Yeah. Uh, there's so many little things in this episode. I I like I don't know, I put down a bunch of a bunch of things that I thought about clips. And I think I've talked about most of those at this point. Um, but there are all these like little one-offs too. So like, uh, Penny talking about how Sunderland has a PhD in hauntings. Oh yeah. (laughs) That'd be such a rad fucking thing to study. (laughs) I was thinking about something, um, something that Lev said once about how, uh, like Sarah Gamble's aesthetic is, is horror. And she wrote this episode and I was kind of wondering if like that would be her, that would be her thing that Sarah Gamble has a PhD in hauntings. (laughs) You get you can just tell also, though, that it's pretty, at least I think it's pretty inspired by, like, American Horror Story. Yeah, I don't, I haven't seen very much of that show. Do you want to say more about? I mean, there's a, the entire first season is a house that's haunted by a bunch of dead people. You die on the property, you stay in the house, mm. um, and the whole first season is about ghosts. It's called Murder House. Mm. Um does it have yeah. that, like, psychological component that this one does of, like, the things that are haunting you are these traumas? Um, I mean, there's a lot of mental illness and stuff mm-hmm. like that in the show itself. Um, I don't know. It, you can just tell. It, it's in the style of how it's shot, too, and yeah. how, uh, like, the this, just the cinematography. Like, she's, I'm pretty sure they've all seen American Horror Story, so it's pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big it was, deal in TV when it came around, so You write that this episode was shot and like it was really dark. Um like literally. Cuz like dark. I know she comes from supernatural, but it didn't have a supernatural vibe. It had more of like an actual horror vibe. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's it's funny because we've seen some other sort of horror-esque um, things in season two, and they all have more of a supernaturally vibe. This was yeah. this was horror without being camp. I yeah, season two is really campy. Um, I I've never actually gotten super into supernatural. I've watched it here and there. Um, yeah, same. It's not really my style. Uh, but I I guess a lot of the stuff that they do in the first and second seasons is like some people feel they lifted a completely from Supernatural. Hmm. Like, there's, I guess, like, a storyline that's really similar to in season two with, like, Alice kind of, like, haunting Quentin, that that, that literally has happened with two other characters in Supernatural. Hmm. It's interesting thinking about that um, and thinking about this episode, too, like, of, of Alice haunting Quentin, because it really is, right, like, I don't know. I don't think I realized how pervasively the show uses. It, there's just so many different techniques that it has for for showing that, for showing like you are literally haunted by your traumas. So like by Alice becoming a niffin and being dead-ish, and <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, for and the and Martin being molested and uh, the other two kids who lived with Plover being mistreated and killed. I mean, just, it's really, there is just so much of that. So much of that trauma. I asked in the, in the Reddit AMA, I asked, um, what drew Sarah and John to the show? And John was the only one who answered, but he said that the thing that really attracted him to it was realizing that it was about sublimated trauma. And I was, I was thinking about that a lot when I was watching this episode. So, okay, have we have we really covered all plot? Anything else? I think so. Q taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was adorably nerdy, and all I could think of is, like, that would be me, but with Harry Potter, like, easily. You with Harry Potter, not you with the magicians? I mean, I don't <laughs> think the magicians quite have a house tour like that. But. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, I loved Penny trying to remember book six. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, forgo- I almost forgot about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. It was like a, this total, like, weird Rashomon type. I was like, yeah, that's actually definitely one of the best scenes. So it funny. Uh, and uh, what was it? It's a dog and then it's a pig or. And then it's yeah. a ferret. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot the ferret. But, like, but the, like, the little thing, um around its neck like it's the more ridiculous cup. every time yeah the ruffle yeah the ruffle <laughs> yeah that was a really good scene anything else Killy? anything anything we forgot two things at the very end i love how penny's really smug like i was trained by mayakoski himself i stay where i want to stay like period and then he touches the button and poof off he goes <laughs> yeah that was um, a good moment just one of those just like well Quentin is right about the nerdy (laughs) shit um and then I was reminded of how much I've always hated Richard (laughs) okay so talk about this you two get your Richard hate on (laughs) I think when we were watching like when we first met Richard I hated him for some reason 
I couldn't, I don't know why I've just always really, really hated him with such a passion. <laughs> and then, you know, he gets possessed by Renard and it was almost like that smug sense of you get what you get, but also this really, really sucks. So I felt bad. <laughs> Well, it's horrifying for Julia too, right? Like, even if even if you hate Richard, yeah. I feel like if you like Julia, you can't be very happy about that moment. Ultimately, no. But I hate. And then Richard. it just like happens to possess the one guy that like she's already been with. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, I know you. I mean, you felt the same way, Danny. You said you you've sort of come around to Richard now. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I've seen the show just so many times that it's just like it, it's like his character just gets more okay. I I think honestly, I probably hated him so much just because I hated Book Richard so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but think- I also just like didn't want any. I just just don't didn't really want uh, Julia <laughs> with anybody either. Yeah, I understand. You have the the whole Julia a romantic thing. I do, and I don't. I wouldn't mind seeing her with like Katie, honestly, like a long, long, long way down the line. But like, she's just not in a good place. She still wasn't in a good place. She shouldn't be with anyone. Yeah, I don't think she was. I mean, I think when they introduced Richard, it wasn't quite as bad for her. And right, like, I think he ends up being a stand-in for, or or like, it's a mix. It's a blend of like Richard and and Pouncy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the books, mm-hmm. um, who Pouncy is like a, a extremely minor character in the show. I don't even think she has speaking roles, does she? Or she says like maybe one or two things. Not sure. Um, I don't think that I found Richard as unpalatable in the show as I did in the books, for sure. I mean, in the books, Richard is just like he's so smug. He's so yeah. smug, and he's just like. That whole argument between him and Alice is just, I don't know, intellectual showmanship in a way that I just can't stand. I also <laughs> I imagined, I imagined Richard younger and like really, really attractive too. Cause I was like, obviously if like Janet's into him, then you don't, do you not? I mean, I, I don't know. I find the actor reasonably attractive. <laughs> I'm not personally attracted to him. <laughs> I don't think he's ugly. Definitely not. Um, but like, I just, <laughs> I think it's cause his name's Richard, but I automatically saw the actor who played, um, Rob Stark and his name's Richard oh. in real life. And I automatically just saw that guy. <laughs> I can see. Okay. I can see now how that would, uh, that, that might, uh, set you up for a different type of expectation. <laughs> yeah. But then I was just like, also like hated him anyways. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think. I can't honestly I can't remember much of what I thought about show Richard when when we first saw him. I don't think I hated him. I don't think I thought a ton about him. I was just like a lot at first. I was like, this isn't Richard. (laughs) Yeah, I remember being upset that like Richard was her her portal into the FTB. But I think that was mostly just like a book loyalism thing. I just like the way that they started the FTB. Just like it's just. They just like. We'll get to that soon. Jumped into it. Jumped into it. And then, like, there's no real setup. And then it's, like, really only, like, you see them for, like, two episodes? Maybe one? I don't know. We'll get there soon. (laughs) We'll get there soon. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I think that, like, 
now that I, I mean, in season two, you sort of have to accept that the book and show are different beasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And season two is so well written that, uh, even if you didn't have to, you, you, you're pretty reasonably you're reasonably willing to at least I was. I just feel bad for the people that experience the show first because like I've Why? noticed that a lot of people I feel like a lot of people who read the show second like don't appreciate it the way I mean they they read the book after they don't mm. appreciate it they don't understand. But why we get um, like um, upset over certain things. Because, like, they already have a loyalty to the show and not the book. I mean, do you think that they like the show more? Yeah. Almost all of the people I know that have watched the show first have liked the show more. That's craziness. But <laughs> I love the, the show, but that's craziness. Quentin, Quentin in the first book is vastly different than Quentin on the show because he's a 17-year-old boy. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's hard to get through at first. He's kind of a yeah. I was I was talking when we were talking to Sandia this weekend. Um, she was mentioning that uh, she struggled with the books at first, like she or she liked the books, but she didn't like feel super compelled by them. I didn't get to, I didn't get the full story because we were like talking back and forth. But um, and she said a lot of it was that like they're all whiny teenagers, and so they all seem a little bit whiny. And I'm just sitting there like, ah, oh, like I've heard that objection so many times, and I just it like. It doesn't quite permeate my brain because I get that he's whiny and we're hearing it from the inside of his head. But also, I don't know. I just see him as such a... It's like it's like people forget, though, what it's like to be a teenager. And they also forget... Or they don't want to be, go there again. <laughs> they also forget that these are all teenagers that are suffering from fucking mental illnesses. And I'm just like... they're. I'm like, compared to like YA books, I'm like, he's written way more accurately than you're going to read in, on a, on a, in a young adult novel. Speaking of which, actually, one of the things I like about this episode was that they talk about Quentin having been institutionalized multiple times, which isn't mm-hmm. something that we get in the books. I'm not even sure he's ever been institutionalized in the books, or at least we don't ever hear about that. Um, but Well, I mean, his depression in the books isn't even ever fully confirmed. Well, I mean, I think it's reasonably. I mean, it, I think it's. I, I think you He's could never argue diagnosed, that it's, though. it's sure. never something he has gone to the doctor for, or been prescribed medication for, or at least we don't hear about it in that way. Yeah. Um, well, I'm pretty sure even Love said so, hmm. but it's not something he wrote in there. Uh, but like, I I like that we get to see him as I, one of the things I really like is the contrast between. Um, that part of him and like Alice saying like the fact that Alice can say like, I never knew that. Right. That he is so high functioning despite the fact that he is really deeply depressed and, and pretty, pretty messed up inside. Um, Mm. The people around him don't really see that. And I think there's something really poignant. Pretty sure. And the only person that knows about that is Julia. It's Julia. And then his dad, because his dad gets the medical bills. But which, yeah. which, um, I'm still wondering what happened to his dad. <laughs> Gonna be mad about I this forever. Dead, I assume. I honestly presumably, but just dead. like you can't um, kill a major, you can't kill the main character's father off screen. <laughs> you can't do it. Well, I'm sorry. I don't want another episode with him caring about his dad. <laughs> I mean, like, that's or, that's fair. Mention it. <laughs> like, don't just leave it with yeah. a finger. 
I don't know. I, well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, in the books, it's such it's such a poignant moment, and I really like. Yeah, and they already had an annoying ass episode <laughs> about it. So, <laughs> okay, okay, Danny, you win this round. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird though, if like in uh, season three suddenly <laughs> Quentin's dad came back? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> he just like hasn't died yet. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> Cancer puppy cured me. Did you guys ever notice that in the finale of this season, they say it's 2016, and immediately in season two, episode one, they say it's 2017? (laughs) No, Uh, no, I did not notice that. That's something that really bothers me every time. (laughs) Can't win them all. Suddenly, just been six months later. Okay. Um, Okay, so I think. We should move on to fashion now, right? Fashion? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I only actually have one note, but it, it really struck me um, in the scenes with Julia and Kira. So first of all, I just love Julia's outfit, the like all gray outfit. Um, mm-hmm. I love the like really nice shirt. I love the flowing I think sweater. that's one of the only outfits that I don't like of hers. Well, this makes sense because we, we, we wear things, we wear very different types of things. <laughs> um, but the other thing I noticed was that she's wearing all gray and Kira is wearing all red. Um, and you see that it, it's really kind of like stark in the scenes with them on the bench together. Because um, like Julia's on one side all gray and Kira's on the other side all red. And I, you know, thinking about. Uh, Thinking about how much attention to detail goes into the costumes, I don't know. I don't have a great analysis of that, but I'm I'm so curious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's like a happier Julia. I was wondering than, about that, or at least I mean, she's definitely happier than she is. When she's later. happy, um, like in a few episodes, her her clothing is lighter mm-hmm. again. She just always does that. And you know, her hairstyle was a little more. Uh, I don't know exactly what to call it, but she had, like, you know, one braid on each side and, like, these beautiful curls. I don't know. She was so gorgeous in this episode. I mean, <laughs> and she has that – she had the, like, jewelry, the, um, the like – I don't know what you call them, but when she has, like – it's like a bracelet and a ring and a chain that connects them. Do you know what that's called? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fashion human. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Killy, did you notice anything? Um, I did make a note about Julia's outfit just because it was so not dark. I mean, it yeah. was gray, but it was also very significantly light. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, she wears lighter clothes at the beginning. She's, it's darker, progressively darker. And then she wears all yeah. white when she's getting clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she wears like the light up, like lighter colors whenever she appears to be happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there is a lot of I, I don't actually know much of it, but like I know um, there's a song by Suzanne Vega called "Songs in Red and Gray," and like red and gray is a combination that like shows up symbolically in a lot of things. And I don't really know much about like what the symbolism is behind it, but I bet there's something in there. I don't know. <laughs> It also was just visually stunning. It looked so pretty. Uh, So, yeah, that's my only note for fashion. (laughs) Sorry, guys. A little (laughs) light this week. (laughs) Um, So I guess that brings us to MVPs. Killy, let's start with you. 
Um, Hale's my MVP for this week. Oh yeah, he didn't have that many lines. So what was what was it that that stuck out to you? Yeah, I just really loved how you can kind of see him spiraling out of control throughout the episode. You know, first it's very much in your face. I'm a supervillain, and then you know, at the end he just kind of loses it on Alice. Um, so I just think that. Spiral is very interesting, and I really loved that. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Danny, how about you? Who's your favorite? Quentin. Jason. <laughs> 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 yeah. Tell us what you loved about Jason this week. Um, I love his just fanboy nerd nerdiness. It was adorable. Um. Most people, when they're watching it, or when I watch it with them, since I've watched it with so many people, they're always just like, Quentin's so adorable. (laughs) Yeah, I love the selfie moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, Just him correcting the the poor guy a lot. Um, And then when he's opening up to to Alice, just like overall, like it's like a really great episode for him. He kind of like is all over the place. Well, this is fun because, uh, so what I have down in my notes is, um, in all caps, I can't decide they're all so good. And then above that, maybe Stella question mark, maybe Arjun question mark. So we got a full <laughs> spread. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think what we can agree to is that everyone is great. Uh, yeah, everyone's great. <laughs> I really... I think part of the reason... So Stella, I think, is, is the easier one to explain. And that's just because... God, just seeing her really run the gamut. Like, I really loved her chemistry with Kira, and um, I felt like, uh, you know, we've seen her in a bad place for so many episodes up until this, and this wasn't exactly a good place, but it was much more complicated. So, um, I don't know, it felt like a really great performance to me. Um, And then for Arjun, uh, it was just, like, there was something about this episode, there was just, like, more of an edge to Penny... And more of a, like, I don't know. It felt like the a different kind of toughness and a different kind of vulnerability. Um, and even the funny lines seemed like they had a little bit more bite. Uh, so there's just something interesting to me about that. And especially in the dynamic between him and between Penny and Quentin, between Arjun and Jason. Okay. Episode ratings. Danny, how about you start us off this time? I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. Yeah. It was pretty good. Probably would have been a time that it was 10 out of 10, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's funny, because actually, that's what I gave it. I gave it a 10 out of 10. And I feel like when I watched it the first time, I would have been like, meh, 6 out of 10. So I don't know what happened, but... What is it, though, that... What do you think... I don't know! Did you not like the horror aspect of it? I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure that's part of it. Also, I think that... Uh, okay, this might be a dumb thing, but it shot really dark, and we used to have a crappy TV, so I bet part of it was just that I couldn't see it very well. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, I think, like, I don't know, I think I think part of it might be that, like, it, it was kind of a slow episode, and we'd seen a lot of episodes up until then that weren't that slow, and so it was just, like, the mm-hmm. change for me that I, I think I just didn't adjust to it super well. But I don't know, watching this time, I was just like, what the fuck was wrong with me? This is this is the best episode. <laughs> so, 
Um, so, Killy, can I count on you? Are you also a 10 out of 10? I'm not. I'm a 9 out of 10. This is this your favorite episode in both seasons and only a 9? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've had a 10 out of 10 episode. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Ding. But, <laughs> you know... I don't know if I need to give a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I understand. I, I mean, Danny and I have, like, screwed ourselves over with ceiling effects so many times, so <laughs> can't blame you for, for holding out slightly. <laughs> I know. I can't wait till I've seen season two, like, a shit ton of times and can be, like, different feelings about the episodes. I know. I yeah. kind of want to, like... I feel like we should just do like a speed round at some point this summer. Like if we, if we run out of other things to do during a hiatus, we just like binge watch the entire season two and then just do like a speed round of MVP and episode ratings. I know. (laughs) All right. Well, anything, anything else either of you wants to say about this episode before we sign off? I want more. I want more American Horror Story, like, episodes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I want more, like, dark episodes. Yeah, like, like incredibly yeah. dark. The looks Not like supernatural dark, like, actually dark. I also, I think I really liked that this was a dark episode, but the dark, the, like, darkest plot line wasn't Julia's. <laughs> After seeing so <laughs> many, after seeing mm-hmm. so many episodes with Julia just, like, I don't know, just like getting the shit end of the stick. <laughs> that is such a weird expression. Yeah, now that she I think doesn't of it. actually get the shit end of the stick for like two episodes in a row. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see. It's nice to see it go dark and not have it just be about like punishing her. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, uh, I guess that's it for this week, huh? Yeah. Killy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we always love having you on. Welcome back anytime. Well, definitely do that again. Um, so I, <laughs> anytime. Wait, can't do anytime. Well, I was like anytime, and then I was like anytime when we haven't scheduled twelve hundred other guests. So <laughs> that's the real one. Anytime, anytime we haven't scheduled guests from the show. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really great having you on. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We've been really happy to see you uh, see you continuing to listen through the hiatus. Here to keep you company, keep things going strong. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>